Thank you, Jesus. The Bible talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to yourself. Singing to yourself. And I encourage you to look these songs up that we sing at church and um, use them as a tool in your walk with God during the week. So it's not just on Sunday morning, but, you know, there's these songs that God reminds me of during the week and just meditating on those lyrics that you have always been faithful my whole life. Just things that you can meditate on in your life. So um, my name is Ryan Carey. I'm the children's director and uh, at the church here. And so uh, welcome to Destiny Church. We're so glad you're with us. Uh, go ahead and give your neighbor a high five, handshake or hug, whatever you like. And you can be seated. Well, good morning, Destiny Church. It's good to see you all here today. You're a good looking bunch of people. It's awesome to be able to worship together and share the word. Praise God. It's good to be. There's a verse that I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Amen. So we gather together. We make up the house of the Lord. I want to receive the offering. The ushers, please help me. You're making out a check. You can make it out to Destiny Church. There's also another way to give it there on the screen uh, if you'd like to give that way. But uh, making out your checks to Destiny Church. If you're giving cash and would like a receipt, one of these energetic ushers will give you an offering envelope as they run down the middle aisle. Just slip your hand up. It's always great to slip your hand up. You're wondering what you're committing to, but amen. Praise God. We're just so glad that you're here with us today. And uh, it's exciting to be able to look into the word and to give. Praise God. So let's just pray over our offering. Lord, we thank you that we can give. Thank you so much, Lord, that you promised to, to, to receive our gifts as we give willingly. We thank you, Lord. You said the gift is accepted if we give willingly. So we give willingly, cheerfully today. Thank you for accepting our gifts. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that you have made of us receiving back a bountiful return. We thank you for that now. We just pray a blessed now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, man. You can pass the offering buckets. So as they do, I just want to mention a couple announcements here. Of course, Dave Wagner will be with us uh, starting next Saturday night at 6.30 at the church here. Saturday night and Sunday morning he'll be here. So Dave has a prophetic ministry. He'll be He's been here a few times, and we've really enjoyed his ministry. So he'll be here next week, so Saturday night at 6.30, then Sunday morning. And then also, there's a Ladies Connect Thursday, June 17th at 6.30. And uh, I guess everybody is invited to the graduation party uh, today, following the church service at the Destiny Fitness, which is up on the interstate there. So there's free food. Just give them some money, free food, and celebrate uh, Isaac and, uh, is it Isaac and Anna? Yeah. So that's a, right after the church service today. And uh, Dave Drexler, raise your hand, Dave. He's going to be in the foyer. If you have any updating of information, you want us to give some of your information, or want to have some questions about the church, or like Dave said last week, if you're mad about something, Dave said we've been in, he's been in church for 66 years. He figures he can figure it out. So maybe you want to think during my sermon something you're mad about. So you can see if Dave can figure it out. But anyways, he'll be in the back if you want to update your information. Well, God's good. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. I've been talking to you about the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. And um, 
Last week, we talked about the shield of faith. Every week, I've been talking about a different piece of armor. And I, I think the last three of these pieces of armor are actually the most important. This, that's my opinion. Um, and uh, it's the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I think those are the most important. But anytime you're being attacked with something, the part that you're being attacked with is probably the most important, right? But uh, this morning, I want to talk about the helmet of salvation. Before I do, let me just recap one thing about the shield of faith. You know, the Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith. And I think that's an appropriate phrase, above all. Uh, Some translations say, in addition to all. But I think it should be above all because of what the Bible says about faith. Faith is a very important part, plays a very important part in the Christian life. And, um, And, you know, you think about this. Jesus said the most amazing things about faith. You know, he would say to people, as your faith is, so be it done unto you. Your faith has made you well. Um, go in peace. Um, one, one place he said, with God, all things are possible. And then he said, all things are possible to him that believes. And so you're, you're sitting there going, man, it's just like he, you, it's an open-ended, uh, open-ended invitation, it seems like. All things are possible to him that believes. And I don't know, I've been around Christianity and uh, church all my life. And I can tell you that not everybody receives all things. I can tell you that right now. And so sometimes it makes you wonder, you know, what was what Jesus said true? Or is there some other, is there a catch to this whole thing? But you know, the truth is that the kingdom of God is based on the principle of sowing and reaping. How many know that's true? Advancement in the kingdom is based on sowing and reaping. Every time a prayer is answered, the kingdom of God advances. It does. I'll amen my own sermon. Amen, Steve. And, and so, but it, it, it's based on the principle of sowing and reaping. So let, me, and so let me just give you an example. Let's say if I held up an apple here, I, and I asked you, how many people would this apple feed? How many people would this apple feed? You'd say maybe one, right? And of course, that would be a true statement if I held up an apple and said, how many people would this apple feed? And you said one, that would be a true statement. But you're talking about what the apple can do in its present state. It would feed one person. But the potential is unlimited because you could plant the seeds that are inside the apple, which would grow trees, which would grow more apples, which would grow trees, which would grow more apples. And so you can see over time, the potential is unlimited. So when I hold up an apple and say, what is its potential? You would say, well, it's unlimited. And that's what Jesus said about faith. He said, it could grow, your faith could grow so that anything becomes possible. But it would take some time. It, would, it wouldn't happen overnight. You know, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, he said, uh, your faith groweth exceedingly. And it says about Abraham that he grew strong in faith, grew strong in faith. And the Bible talks about, oh, ye of little faith, oh, ye of great faith. And so there are levels that your faith grows in. And so your faith can grow to the point that anything becomes possible. Isn't that good news? But it takes time and it takes having a a diligent heart, takes focus. We talked about that last week, so I don't want to go over that again. But anyways, I think that's really an important point. I'm glad I said that. So let's talk about the helmet. I got a picture here. So put, on, put a helmet on, okay? So that's my, my sermon title. 
But I got a picture here. Can you pull up that picture? Don't you think that's a little extreme? I didn't make that up. I found that. Is that a tricycle? I mean, come on. Isn't that a little bit extreme? I mean, he falls off a tricycle. Is he bleeding from the head, bleeding from his arm? I just, th- I just thought, I saw that. I thought, that's extreme. <laughs> Protect your head or end up dead. Well, that's a good, good thought. And so I'm going to talk about your helmet this morning. You can take that picture down again. <laughs> but I mean, you, come on, us, us people that are a little bit older, not, not that we're old, but do you guys remember when we were kids? I mean, the thought of wearing a helmet when you rode bicycle, oh, come on. I mean, we're bouncing off of trees, landing on our head. I mean, we, we never wore helmets. Or how about when your kids were in the car? You never put them in seat belts or car seats. Now they're, ever seen kids? I, I guarantee you that what's going to happen is they're going to have kids wearing helmets in the car. I guarantee you that's going to happen. The kid is going to be strapped in. He's going to have a helmet on. He's probably going to have a teeth guard in. He's going to be right there in the car with you. <laughs> I remember, you know, we had five kids and we, have a, we had a Suburban. No kid was in a car seat. No kid was in a seat belt. You, I, and I was a pretty fast driver. I go around a corner. They all went flying. I mean, they, they're fly, you see head. But, but nowadays, you know, they put a helmet on. They put teeth guard Shoulder pads, arm guards, elbow guards, knee guards. That's just to go outside and get the mail. <laughs> they got to be protected, right? I heard a funny saying. It, it went something like this. It said, he's a nice guy, but he played too much football without a helmet on. <laughs> How many understand that statement? But let me, t- let, me t- let me give you a Christian, let me Christianize it. Don't let it be said of you that you, he was a nice guy, but he spent too much of his Christian life without his helmet of salvation on. Wow. <laughs> so it's important that we wear our spiritual helmet. And obviously, when the Bible talks about your helmet, he's talking about your thought life. He's talking about your mind, what, what you allow to, the thoughts and the ideas that you allow to have in your mind. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, it says, for to be carnally minded, and he's not talking to sinners here. Obviously, sinners are carnally minded, but he's talking to Christians. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So he's actually saying here that our, our minds, if they are if they are carnal, if we allow certain thoughts to rule our minds and to build strongholds in them, they're actually in opposition to God. They fight God. It's enmity. They're at war with God. And how many know that it's hard to walk together, you and God walking together, if your mind is warring with Him? You know, it's sort of like the children of Israel. You know, you think about this. I can't understand. There's certain people, I, certain situations I can't understand. I don't, you know, the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt. I mean, how many, I've never seen the Red Sea, I've never seen a Red Sea open up. I mean, would you be impressed? I would be impressed. I would be a little bit impressed. I mean, come on. It wasn't a Red River, it was a Red Sea. 
I mean, you look out, he sticks his stick over the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, it opens up. And the Bible says in Psalms, it, he congealed the water in the midst of the, congealed waters, frozen water, and stood up on every side like a wall. I mean, that's dramatic. They're standing there on both sides, and they walk through on dry land. And then when the enemy comes, the sea closes together. Would that capture your soul just a little bit? I mean, I would be, and then, and then you got, and then in the, in, the, uh, in the desert, you got manna every day. You're getting fed every day. I mean, it's not McDonald's, but it's, it's something. <laughs> and then when you complain about, you get quail, you don't get enough meat, I don't get enough meat. I, get, I need meat in my diet. You know, then he gives you quail. And then you got ro- water coming out of rocks. And I mean, I mean, this is some serious stuff. I mean, you got a cloud by day, so you get shaded. And you got fire by night, so you have warmth. And then you bring, he brings you to the Red Sea, or brings you to the Jordan River, and you're not captured enough. Your soul, your thought life is not captured enough to say, we can do it, God's with us. I, I think that that would be frustrating if I was God. <laughs> and I think he was frustrated. He said, Moses, just step to the side. <laughs> We're taking these guys out. But that's how the mind, and, and when you listen to them talk, they say, What they said is so much baloney because they said the people are stronger than us. They don't know. They've never fought them. How do they know they're stronger than us? They said the the land, look at this. I think I said this one week. The land devours up the inhabitants. It's like you're walking there with your friend. All of a sudden, you go, what happened? Oh, the ground devoured him up. That's what it says. That's what they said about the land. It's crazy. And then they said, we are grasshoppers. In our, our sight, and so we are in their sight. How do they know what they are in their sight? They don't know. But they imagine all that, all that, all those thoughts came into their mind, and so they were at war with God. They were at war with God. God wants to do something great. We'd want to do something great in our lives, but if our thinking is contrary to Scripture, what happens is our minds are at war with God. And then it goes on to say in Romans, uh, I, I started here in Romans chapter 8, it says, the carnal mind is enemy God. Then it says, it does not subject itself to the law of God, nor indeed can be. When it says law of God, it doesn't mean the Ten Commandments. It means the law, the principles of God. The, the carnal mind does not subject itself to the principles of God. The first principle that he mentioned was chap, in chapter 8 is verse 1, where he says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law, there's a law of spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. There's a law, a principle of life that's in Christ Jesus. And it's made me free from the law of sin and death. So he said, but he said, the carnal mind won't, does not submit itself to that law. It will not, it, it fights it. It says it's not true. It's not true. And so God is actually, the person is at war with God. Isn't that interesting? And so it's so important for us to capture, for our thinking to be captured by Scripture and the truth that's in God's Word. In other words, to put our helmet on. I said this one time when I was talking about the mind, because I do talk about it a lot. I don't know why, but I do. Maybe it's because it's where I'm at. But I, I heard this preacher say that the, the year he was, had just come through, he said it was the best year in his entire life. It wasn't last year. Um, but, 
it was a couple years ago. But anyway, he said, this is the best year in my entire life. And he goes, it wasn't because I had fewer problems or less pressure or that, uh, you know, less responsibility or fewer problems. But he said, I had a better life. I had a better quality of life. And he said, the secret was I made a conscious effort. This is what he said. I made a conscious effort to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Because there's nothing that affects the quality of our lives more than the way we think. There's nothing that affects the quality of our life more than the way we think. I mean, so you have to do a thought audit at times where you go, how am I thinking? What am I thinking? Are my thoughts fear, worry, lust, hate, unforgiveness? Is that what I'm thinking? Am I dwelling on? You got to do a thought audit from time to time, because sometimes we, we go, we're going to go out ride our trike without our helmet on. And I don't want to put the picture back up there, but you... <laughs> See, the mind is the scene of the most intense spiritual battles. The mind is the scene of the most intense spiritual battles. You cannot let a lie remain in your mind unanswered or unchallenged. You've got to challenge it. In other words, if when worry comes, what's going to happen? What's going to, what's going to become of me or what's going to happen in this situation? You can't just dwell on it. You can't just ponder over it and over and over it and just mull it over and over in your mind because what happens is it produces something. Thoughts have the ability to produce after their kind. In fact, one statement that I'll make here sooner or later is that your life goes in the direction of your dominant thoughts. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not just a casual thought, but your most dominant thoughts right now, your life will go in that direction. So if you wanted your life to, you go, my life's going in the wrong direction. Well, I would check, I would do an audit, a thought audit right away. And I would check to make sure my thought life is is not uh, in the wrong direction. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See here he's he's talking about our warfare and he centers in on our minds. He centers in on our minds because the enemy, when he tries to take ground in our life, He, first of all, takes mental ground. If he takes mental ground, he tries to build strongholds because, you know, Jesus talked about the strong man living in a stronghold. And the stronghold is basically just a house of thoughts. It's it's, uh, reasonings, it's thought patterns, ways of thinking. I remember one time, this is so funny, I was talking about raising kids, which is a forbidden subject, by the way, but I was talking about raising kids and I won't be talking about that this morning, but so, but, uh, and so I said, you know, I was talking about how, you know, when I was raising our kids, you know, I, I was, I would, I would always kind of get into this negative thing where you're always looking at their faults. You guys know what I mean? And I'd always be looking at their faults saying, stop that, quit that. What are you doing? What are you crazy or something? I mean, you, you know, you, you kind of go into that, that, that uh, kind of that, uh, that routine or whatever. And, um, and so God really spoke to me and said, you need to start looking at trying to find the gold in your kids. That was a novel idea. And so I tried. I mean, it was, it was a hard transition, but, but I tried. Every time they would do something good, 
I would go, oh, wow. Are you kidding me? You actually threw that paper in the garbage instead of on the floor? Hallelujah, there is a God. You know what I mean? It, it was kind of like that. And so it's so important for us to be able to focus. But I, I remember after, I was, so I, I was preaching on that. I was talking about how you need to look for the good in your kids. And there was a lady in the church that she would always come up to me and tell me how terrible her kids were. I mean, no matter what I preached on, she'd tell me how terrible her kids were. And she'd go, you know what they did now? And she'd just like rag on them constantly. It was just like, oh man, I mean, do I sound like that? I mean, I just, and, and so I preached on this and I saw her listening. I thought, oh, this is going to be good, you know. And so she came up to me and she goes, wow, pastor, that sermon really spoke to me. I thought, praise the Lord. She goes, my kids are so disobedient. And then she started in on how disobedient her kids were. I go, I don't think you got my point. But my, my point in saying that is this, that you can have a mental stronghold that's so strong that you can hear something and you twist it around and it, instead of it challenging your mindset, it actually enforces your mindset. When it's the op- I, said, I said the opposite of what you just said. She, you know what I mean? That's what, that's what I want. But I think I was being nice and I didn't say that. But. So, cap, so we have, here's where the battle is. The mind is the, is the scene of the most intense spiritual battles. And so, you know, the, the word captive, it says taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The word captive actually means to subdue or to take captive, to ensnare. It comes from a word that means spear tip or prisoner, and it means it's to be taken captive or conquered. We capture every rogue thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. And so it's kind of like we take a a spear and we push push these thoughts out. We're not going to think like that. We're not going to think despair. We're not going to think depression. We're not going to think those way. Because the, the truth is, you're only as free as your mind is free. That's a good thought. And so I said this one time, every thought that you don't take captive will take you captive. Or you could say it like this, every thought you haven't taken captive has taken you captive. And that's why it's so important that you do something, uh, use something with rogue thoughts, that you address them, that you challenge them. Now, wait a second here. Because I don't know if you've ever sat there, you know, sometimes... Like my wife will look at me sometimes, she goes, what are you thinking about? I go, why? She goes, you got that look on your face. Because I'll be sitting there pondering stuff, you know, I'll be pondering like some horrible situation or some challenging situation, and I'll, I'll allow myself to go into the worst case scenario. Do you guys ever do that? This is the worst case scenario. And, and, and instead of challenging it, say, wait a second here, wait a second here. So I started memorizing strategic verses, which is going to be what we talk about the next time I speak. Not next week, because that's Dave Wagner. But I, I started memorizing strategic verses. Where verses like, you know, and most people know this verse, all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Since God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Just start... start Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And just start challenging those rogue thoughts with Scripture. That's how you drive them out of your thinking. 
So we're trying to replace these thoughts because we want to think like God. We don't want to have grasshopper thinking. When God goes, I want to do this great work in your life, you go, I don't think so, not with me, because I'm just a bug that crawls on the ground and people step on it. You've got you to gotta have, you gotta decide that you're going to address rogue thoughts and think God's thoughts. And when you start to do this, you're going to understand spiritual warfare. You know, some people, you know, years ago, we used to talk about spiritual warfare, and we'd get into a room and scream at the devil for, for not hours, because we wouldn't have lasted that long, but, but a long time. You know, we would, Satan! You know, <laughs> we mean it this time. We are really mad, you know. And we're not taking it anymore. You know, and then we start yelling at the devil. I mean, but... You know, the, the, the most intense spiritual battle is right here between your ears. Amen. You know, it's interesting that when Jesus was crucified in John chapter 19, it says, it says, he bearing his cross went out to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. So Jesus died on a, was crucified on a place that's called the place of the skull. And I believe that speaks to us that Jesus didn't just die to save us from our sins, but he died to redeem our thinking. He died to redeem our thought life. And so to experience freedom, we must recognize the battle is in our minds and that our minds become the central issue to us being free. You're never going to be free if you don't deal. In fact, I say it like this. You're only as free as your mind is free. See, if you, if you have oppressive thoughts, you're just not free. Amen. You're only as fruitful as your, your thoughts are healthy. You've got healthy thoughts. And you're only as spiritual as your thoughts are spiritual. And so you have to, we have to challenge this, our thought life. We have, to, we have to challenge our thought lives. So if you don't deal with the root cause of bondage, your cure will be short-lived, or you, won't believe that there's real, you will believe that there's no cure that exists. And so we have to address this, our thought life. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, look at that verse. John 8, verse 31, he said, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, freedom is available to everybody in any bondage or in any battle. Freedom is available to you. And it's, it comes from knowing the truth and experiencing that freedom, continuing in the word and knowing the truth. You know, you think about how powerful truth is. Truth is like n- nuclear. I, I use that expression. Truth is nuclear. I like that. Because we all know the effect that lies have. I mean, I, the truth is the devil took the whole human race captive with a lie. The devil took the whole human race captive with a lie. And behind every bondage and every sin is a lie. It keeps it in place. If truth sets us free, then lies put us in bondage. I mean, think about how, you know, another hard to understand uh, situation is Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve, you know, they were in a perfect environment, had perfect fellowship with God in a state of innocence. And, I mean, they didn't have the pressure that we have, the the, the 
oppression or whatever that we have, the fears, the concerns that we have. They had none of that. They just they're just like, you know, tiptoe through the tulip type two people, you know, just like, you know, skipping through there. I'm sure they were skipping, holding hands and, you know, look at this flower, you know, whatever. You know, they were just it was like a perfect environment, just perfect. They just, you know, flowers were probably kissing them and just wonderful animals were, you know, butterflies, hummingbirds, all this stuff. You know, I'm just trying to create a picture with my mind, with my words here. So just a beautiful, beautiful environment of acceptance and love. But they fell from that place because of a lie. Because of a lie. Isn't that interesting? They lived in a perfect environment. They did not have a fallen nature. Everything around them was perfect. But it says that Eve kept looking and listening to the lies of the devil until she desired what the devil was offering her. A lie actually took her out. The same thing as Judas. Judas saw the most amazing miracles. He heard the most amazing sermons. He was associated with the most amazing person, Jesus. Yet a lie took him out. That's why it's so important for us to have our helmet on. Amen? So freedom is available to all of us, but it's not automatic. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you're free. Freedom is available to you, but it's not automatic. Jesus said, you have to continue in my word. You've got to replace thoughts that are contrary to God and that are opposing God with thoughts that are consistent with God. Amen. So Jesus came to give us victory in life, not just eternal life. Amen. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. So here's the thing. Most people have no idea the effect that our thoughts have on our lives. They have no idea. And, uh, you know, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul said that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know, the will of God could come to you, but if your mind is not renewed, you would reject it. Because it says that we're transformed, that we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so every single one of us need to be conscious of, the, of, the, of our thought life. You see, here's a saying that I wrote down. I don't know, I might have stole it, but it sounds like me, though. Maybe it's not me. But I'm going to pretend like I said, I thought this up, okay? Small things that nobody sees becomes the big things that everybody wants. Small things make the big difference. So in other words, you know, you say, how did, how did this person get from where they were to this place of blessing and, and productivity? How did they get there? Well, they did small things. They did small audits in their thinking. They changed the way they thought about certain situations. And so without that, what happens is we stay, we stay in bondage to the past. We stay in bondage to our present. We stay in bondage to ideas and lies. And we never can get free. And so we start with, with changing our thoughts. Because here's the thing. Thoughts produce actions. Thoughts create habits. And thoughts determine our destiny. Thoughts control desire. Thoughts control attitudes. Thoughts control feelings. Thoughts control our well-being. So you can see how important thoughts really are. Truth, our, truth is nuclear. Amen. 
How many are with me still? Okay, so let's, let's go back to one more verse here, and then I'll bring it to a close. Go back to John chapter 8. So Jesus said here again to these disciples, he said, If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So we have to continue in the word. That means a daily, on a daily basis, we have to continue in scriptures. We have to allow our minds to be challenged, our thought patterns to, be, to change, so that we line up with scripture. If you continue my word, you're my disciples indeed, You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, what's interesting is you keep reading there. It says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Well, obviously, that is a ridiculous statement because Rome was their masters at this time, so they were in bondage. But then Jesus specifically said, Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin or practices sin, is a slave of sin. So he's, they, were, they were talking about all this freedom and stuff. But he said, if you commit sin or you practice sin, you're a slave of sin. And then he said, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So he says, the problem with sin is that if you don't deal with it, you don't address it, it kind of has a tendency to draw you away. That's what he's saying. You've got to address the sin by, by, by addressing it with truth. And then he goes on to say, uh, he goes on to say, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So he's talking about freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Remember what I said, that behind every sin, there is a lie that holds that person in bondage. So truth is nuclear. Amen. Truth is nuclear. So the son abides. So when we become, when we experience God's freedom, we want to abide in the house. You know, it's, it's one thing about if you're, if you're in sin and you can't get free, what happens is you don't like necessarily be around people that are free. It's like this is annoying to be around this person. They're worshiping like crazy. They're loving Jesus. They're witnessing. This is annoying me. You know, it's like, that's kind of how it goes. But, um, it's so important for us to address the thoughts that are in our minds. Amen? One last verse as we close here. We'll go back over here to Romans chapter 8. just want to say a few more things about the, our minds and how they war, the warring of our minds. So Romans chapter 8, verses 5, five through 8, it says... For those who live according to the flesh, here, here's why they live according to the flesh. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's why they live according to the flesh. If you, if you set your minds on the things of the flesh, your, mind, your life goes in the direction of your dominant thoughts. The reason why your life goes after the flesh is because you have a, your mind is in that direction. But those who live according to the Spirit. In other words, you have spiritual thoughts. How many know that the Bible is God's, God's thoughts, right? If you, if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, it's life, it's, you, you'll produce the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death. It's death to the things of God in your life. 
It's death to forward progress. It's death to spiritual relationships. It's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is warring against God. It does not subject itself to the law of God or the laws of God. Neither indeed can be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. So I wrote a few things down here that I want to close with. And so it's so important for us. I heard Bill Johnson say this one time. He said, I can't afford to entertain a thought in my mind about me that God does not have in his mind about me. Isn't that powerful? You know, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about this. One of the birds I love the most, my wife is a bird expert, I'm not, but, uh, but I love the hummingbird. You guys ever seen a hummingbird? I mean, that, that is a cool bird. The wings, I mean, come on. It reminds me a lot of my cat-like actions, you know. I mean, it's just, it's just so fast. It's just like, I remember one time, uh, this happened a couple weeks ago. We have a cat. I won't go into the story about the cat. But anyways, but we have this cat. And the hummingbird came. And the cat goes. And I thought to myself, yeah, right. You're never going to catch that thing. But the cat got ready to jump on the hummingbird. But, but one thing about a hummingbird is that it goes around and it's attracted to sweet things. It's attracted to nectar. It's attracted to sweet things. And, uh, and in contrast to that, I thought, I, I was sitting there looking out at the deck, and I saw this hummingbird, and it's going around from flower to flower collecting nectar. Then I looked out on the highway, and I saw, like, I think it was a turkey buzzard or something, and it was eating a dead animal on the road. And I thought, look at that right there. Now, what a contrast. Here you got a buzzard eating a picking on a dead body, or you got a hummingbird taking nectar out of a flower. And I thought to myself, which one do I want to be? <laughs> do you want to be some old buzzard picking away at some dead carcass on a road somewhere? Or do I want to be this fl fluttering, <laughs> agile hummingbird that goes around and sucks nectar out of flowers? And so I just want to encourage you this today, the Bible tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And, you know, I remember one time years ago, you know, I was like I was raised in kind of a, a holy. We weren't like a holiness denomination, but we had kind of a holiness mentality. You know, the women didn't wear makeup and they didn't cut their hair. So they always had the big beehive hairdos. And and, uh, you know, they all dressed a certain way. Not not all the same, but. You know, we, we, it was just kind of, it was holiness. And we, you know, bowling was evil and playing pool was evil. And go to a movie, you would never go to a movie uh, because if you went to a movie and the rapture happened, well, Jesus wouldn't be able to find you in the movie. <laughs> now, you're, you laugh at that, but that actually is what they told me when I asked them, well, what, why is it wrong to go to the movie? But I watched the movie on TV when it comes out on TV. Well, of course, we didn't have a TV until I was in high school, but, but I'm just saying that we were like holiness type people. And so I remember, you know, and, and so with that came a lot of condemnation, a lot of judgment, a lot of, you know, uh, just like you're not right with God and you probably never will be. So you might as well just, you, you know what I mean? Kind of a lot of that. And, um, and so I remember I, when I got sa finally got saved, I listened to this sermon and it was so positive and so dynamic. I actually listened to it 500 times. I, that's no mistake. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. 
And every time I listen to it, I go, wow. I would walk around going, wow. The first time I listened to it, I said, wouldn't that be wonderful if it was true? Because I knew it was false doctrine because the way I was raised. But it was, it, was, it was faith, full of faith, full of optimism, full of hope. You can do it. God loves you. He's on your side. It was the totally opposite of the way I was raised. I mean, the way I was raised is God really didn't like you that much. And then when you got up to heaven, he would probably walk up to the pearly gate, look outside and go, oh, oh all right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Was, I, just, I just felt that way. I mean, I just, you know, I just kind of felt that way. And so this sermon, I was listening to this sermon, and it was so powerful how God is for you, how God is on your side, that he's working on your behalf. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, you'll fear no evil. He is with you. His rod and staff, they comfort you. Just like all this, I was just like, I, listen, I just listened to it. I go, for the first 50 times, I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if it was true? But I know it's not true. But I'm not going to keep listening to it anyways. And after a while, I'm going, it, it, it's probably true, but it's dessert. This, this is how I was thinking. It's probably true, but it's dessert. You don't want to eat dessert all day, every day. I've got to get back to the, the meat of the word, which is, you never measure up. You a loser. <laughs> you a failure. God doesn't even like you. Now, this is the meat of the word, man. I get, I'm getting into the meat. I'm getting to the meat of the word now. But I got to have dessert. And I go back to dessert. And I, woo, glory be to God. I go, okay, that's enough of that. I got, got enough of dessert. Now I get back to the meat of the word. I go back to condemnation and death. And you know what really flipped for me was in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul compares the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, with the New Covenant, the New Testament. He keeps going back and forth. He goes, if the ministry of condemnation came with glory, he's talking about the Ten Commandments, if that came with glory, how much more should the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory? And he keeps going back and forth. This is the Old Covenant. This is a ministry of condemnation. This is a ministry of death. This is a ministry of legalism. This is a ministry we don't measure up. We'll never be good enough. This is that ministry. But now, so much more, there's a ministry of life. There's a ministry of righteousness. It exceeds in glory. And that's what I was, when I was listening to that, it was ministering to my soul. And it was ministering life to me. And I was, my soul was starting to breathe. So you've got to have enough sense to realize this is really ministering life to me. Amen. And stay with it. Stay with stuff that causes your soul to, to breathe. Let's all stand up. And so thoughts, all of us here, need to put our helmet on. Just tell your neighbor that. Tell your neighbor, you need to put your helmet on. See, when our thoughts move toward God, and you can, you can I, guys, I heard this one guy said this, and I think this is true. He says, if you're, you look at your thoughts, if they're not glistening with hope, because, you know, the Bible calls God the God of hope. How many of you ever felt hopeless? Man, have I felt hopeless at times. You know, I, I realized this years ago that 
when the enemy attacks, it usually, you know, like in Revelation, it says that the dragon opened his mouth like a flood. And it usually comes like a flood. You know, we have a saying in the world that says, when it rains, it pours. And that's how it feels. It comes, like, it comes from everywhere. And he tries to, and he tries to get you in a hopeless situation, get you to feeling this is hopeless. There's no answer for me. It is hopeless. You know you're under demonic attack. And, you know, I wish I could tell you that it's, it's always easy to get out of it. But I tell you, sometimes it's a struggle. Especially if you've, if you've thought a certain way for a while, it's, it's, it's hard to dismantle it. It's hard to dismantle, you know, strongholds. I mean, we have powerful weapons. The Bible says we have weapons of truth to dismantle strongholds. But it's not easy. Like I said, the mind is the scene of the most intense spiritual battles. I'm, you have to get to the point where you go, I'm not going to think this way about my situation, about my life. I'm not going to think this way. I'm not going to think this way about my, my mate. I'm not going to think this way about my family. I'm not going to think this way. And you have to address the lies. Amen? You can't have a passive attitude. You know, we're talking here about warfare. You can't have a passive attitude in the midst of warfare. You've got to rise up. Amen? So let's just pray together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just bow your heads with me. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I just pray for your people right now. I pray, God, that every hopeless thought that we might have, I just pray, Lord, that you'd uproot it right now. That, God, let there, let there be a challenge that goes forth from the Holy Spirit that we are not abandoned. We are not forsaken. We are not destitute. We are not alone. Thank you, Lord. We are not alone, Lord. Hallelujah. We are not fighting this battle by ourselves. But you are for us. You said, since you are for us, who could be against us? You said, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with us, with him freely give us all things? Thank you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. That nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Not heights nor depths principalities, things present, things to come, any created thing can separate us from your love, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are greatly loved. We are greatly loved and we are highly favored. And you are with us. You said that you would never leave us nor forsake us, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. You didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We just praise you, God, today.
Thank you, Lord. We thank you for redemption. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, a spiritual need, a physical need, mental, emotional, maybe you have a, 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 a thought that you're trying to get victory over, this would be a good time for have somebody pray for you. And uh, I just, uh, it's wonderful air conditioning. Isn't air conditioning wonderful? And we're going to leave the building here in a minute and, or maybe in a few minutes and it's going to become challenging. 99 degrees. Is that what it is today? 99 degrees? Something like everybody's going blah, 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 blah. Something like that. But anyways. But, but it's been good to be in the house of the Lord with you guys. And uh, we have some coffee bar out there. And remember the, the graduation party at the DF after you fellowship for a while, you can make your way over there, it's free food, and uh, make sure that you congratulate the graduations, graduates. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you. God bless you all. You're free to go, but if you do need prayer, please come forward and, and have receive prayer. God bless you, everybody.